Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Zach Lost and Chris Nee. Gentlemen, hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello. This is a good week of practice for Florida State. They got Virginia Tech coming up uh, in a couple of days here, so we're going to do a preview of that. Uh, we're going to talk about the week of practice, maybe a little recruiting talk and maybe some buyers to known too, if that sounds good to everyone. Uh, let's jump right in here as we talk about this good week of practice. Segment is brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey. They're crushing it in the craft distillery game. Fall is here, cooler weather, football season, and that means Chattanooga Whiskey should absolutely be in your liquor cabinet so you enjoy the savory, sweet treat that is Chattanooga Whiskey. If you don't have a liquor cabinet, sounds like a personal problem. You should probably get one so you can stack up on all the Chattanooga Whiskey products they have. Bourbon, rye, great for newbies. They're 111 cast strength bourbon. It's an absolute banger, awesome value. Also be on the lookout for their single barrel offerings. Their bottle and bond line comes out pretty soon and their experimental finishes as well. Whew. All right, gentlemen, let's start off with Jordan Travis having, Chris, I would say a, a sharp week. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, he looks healthy. He looks comfortable again. Um, we all know he got banged up there in the second or right before the half of that game a couple weeks ago. And yeah, we, we not, dealt we with that at Clemson. name anymore. We just not uh, that game. We're on to Virginia Tech, sir. Um, but, I mean, it was noticeable at Clemson that he was being a little bit protected in the sense of not keeping it, not running it, not taking hits. I think he'll be back to more of his normal self with regards to the willingness and ability to do some of that stuff. Zach, in your beautiful mind, your analytical mind, a sharp, healthy, confident Jordan Travis, what does that mean for this offense? I think it means that it opens up a ton of opportunities in the run game. I think, you know, anytime you're running a – and, uh, you know, an RPO type of play, uh, especially against Clemson, when they know Jordan's not going to run, um, it's pretty easy for them to key down on the running back. And, you know, if if he is actually a threat to run the football, um, if he's getting back to full health, and I think it, it, it allows the running game to, to have that much more variety 
Chris, I, I think this is probably like the best two-day stretch Jordan has had since maybe like late in, in fall camp in terms of just consistent making big throws and kind of having the pep in the step. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought he was sharp both days. I, I thought in general the team seemed fairly well-focused, and I think the bye came at a good time for this program and this team between guys getting somewhat healthy, a few pieces that they need to get back, guys like Akeem Dent, Robert Scott, Robert Scott, that's been talked about. Um and just in general, I think they needed the the recharge and the ability to kind of look back on who and what they've been for four games. And I think they understood the positives of what they did in that four-game stretch. First and foremost, winning four games is a positive, but also what they were effective at, what they were good at doing. They also gained an understanding of the places where they have some weaknesses and things they have to improve upon to be what they want to be at the end of 12 games. And I think – early in the week, I, it was noticeable to me that Mike Norvell and the coordinators all seemingly used sense of urgency quite a bit. And then Norvell did it again during his show on Monday evening. I, I think that was a point that was being driven home of like, you've accomplished a great deal with winning four games, but there's so much more ahead of you. And I, I nobody's telling lies in the program. They understand that they have not been particularly sharp despite winning four games. You know, they had, the second half, or I'm sorry, the uh, third down situation with BC on defense, for example, the general inability to consistently run the ball over a four game span. None of these are big secrets. These aren't things they whisper about. They're shouting about it. They want to be better at it. And they're focused upon that. I, I think that permeated throughout the team and the practices. And I think we saw that last week during the bye itself when they had a couple practices and it carried over here to the BT preparation in these practices. You mentioned Robert Scott there, Chris. You asked Mike Norvell about that yesterday. And Mike had talked about, we're recording this on Thursday. He talked about on Tuesday that Robert looked good and, and they're kind of still managing his workload and seeing what uh, what he can do. Uh, but you asked him about how he kind of handled the Wednesday workload. What did Mike tell you? Uh, he's still working. You know, Mike, he doesn't love talking injuries. But <laughs> he he's not. still working back. They feel confident about where he's at. They're going to keep monitoring it. Do I think he plays Saturday? I think there's a fair chance that he makes a go of it. Yeah, I, I do. I, I don't know that he plays every snap of that game. I could see them platooning to some degree. But I, I think there's a fair chance that Robert Scott makes his return for the first time since the first game of the season. And he is listed as a starter, co-starter, I think, on the depth chart. Uh, Mike also praised Darius Washington a ton. Mm -hmm. Darius had a really good practice on Wednesday. Uh, not, not many people are winning reps handily against Braden Fisk and Jared Verse uh, throughout the course of practice in their uh, pass pro drills so yeah uh, the great value of Darius is that for several weeks he had to be the center because Marie Smith was banged up and then even in the Clemson game he still had to be the center because of the concern that Marie Smith might not make it through the entirety of the game because he was fresh off of it I think that role has switched now for Darius where he's more viewed as a tackle potential role I, I think they're pretty confident in who and what they have at guard and they're not really shifting that changing that I don't expect a Jeremiah Byers move to guard, despite what message borders would love to see. Um, I, I think at this point, Darius is more a guy who will be utilized as a swing tackle. If he has to go back to center because Mo gets banged up, then so be it. But I think he's viewed as a guy that can help in that, that rotation of guys like Byers if he does struggle again. Bless Harris, Robert Scott, depending on health of the situation. Are you you mentioned, and actually Mike mentioned the other day, Akeem Dent as well, and you mentioned about Akeem Dent returning. We'll see what that role mm -hmm. looks like, but that's a huge development for the defense. I think you've missed him. What did Mike call it? Like a, like a perfect negative storm? Uh, yeah, he talked, about how, he talked about how Akeem was a three-year starter, ton of reps, ton of experience. Akeem understands when the bullets are flying, what to do, how to handle it. 
Kevin Knowles got thrown in there at BC into that role, and, well, he didn't handle it well. He got picked on quite a bit and looked pretty miserable doing it. And, you know, I think it's the belief that, you know, we always talk about these guys are better players. Well, sometimes it's about who's better at losing a rep, and I know that sounds really weird to say, but it's true. There's a degree of – and Darius Washington, somebody that me and Brendan talked about this recently, about Darius Washington used to lose reps really badly early in his career. As he's developed, grown, played more – understood it when he loses now it's not real bad like he's a guy that's understood how to take the ups and the downs better I think Kevin Knowles went through that losing reps really badly situation Keem Dent's a guy that understands how to lose a rep and I, I know that's a weird conversation it feels backwards but it is true there's a degree of like he loses a rep really well all to lose a rep is the name of the episode but Zach, my point is that like he understands that if he gives up this gash play, well, I can't do that again, can't continue to do that. I can't let today go down to tubes because of that play. Kevin Knowles let the BC game to some degree go down to tubes. One bad play stacked onto another bad play onto another. Keem Dent will give up a bad play. We all know that. I'm not going to act like a Keem Dent, some godsend great player. He's a good player. He's a guy that understands his role. He, he's very good at when he does give up a big play, just moving, flushing it, and on to the next one. There's a degree of experience that is in play there that's different for those two players. He's just so experienced at losing reps. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I love people that just ignore <laughs> nuance and just, you know. I'm messing with you, Chris. But, but see, here's the magic is by Zach doing that, it's going to make it to where the people blowing out of proportion and avoiding the nuance are going to get made fun of as well. Zach just basically gave you. That. No, you, he helped you. You helped him, Zach. Is how I'm doing it. Um, speaking of nuance, Mike Norvell talked about the potential return of Ja'Kai Douglas earlier this week. He was actually Ooh. listed on the depth chart and then talked about having a great practice on Tuesday. I thought he had a really good practice on Wednesday. Zach, that excites you because you're, you're a Juki Douglas fan, right? I think he's the best slot on the roster. Do you think they should get the ball to the slot more? Yeah, and if they don't, this offense sucks. No, I mean, I think uh, I think Juki Douglas, is, Jakai is his name. Um, I think he's just, was that RG three who get, yeah, kept calling him three. By the way, he has just been on a tear recently with horrible, oh my god, the LSU the the Jesus on a cross reference. Yeah. I was like, well, I had Ashley like I had my headphones in. I was listening to the game. I was like, you have to listen to this. It didn't even make sense. Anyways. And that was – that was he said that after I complained on Twitter about him being, like, uh, awful in that game. Yeah, I saw the like, complaint, but that was before. Oh my that God. was before he said that. So, yeah. Um, no, but Ja'Kai Douglas is awesome, man. Like, when, when I got to watch spring ball, like, he's just a guy that gets open consistently. He creates separation. His foot speed, I think, is probably the best foot speed on the entire roster, maybe, um, at least in the receiver room. Um, he's elite when it comes to that. Um, and I think he can open up a lot for FSU. Um, you know, all the fans want to complain about you know, stuff not being uh, thrown to the intermediate routes. Well, I think that you're complaining about it too, to be fair, a little bit. Um, but I think, I think Ja'Kai Douglas, that's his specialty. Um, so if he's truly going to make a return, I think he's a, he's a guy that, that could really help FSU's offense kind of take the next step. So Ja'Kai, for his career, averages more than 15 yards per catch. He has 31 career receptions, five of which are touchdowns. I believe he has two 60-plus touchdown receptions in his career. And he's a guy that's just, you know, it, the offense, the way it goes, what they do, 
he is the guy that they find a way to make a big play with. He doesn't get a ton of at bats, but when he gets them, he usually makes them. Dude, when they had when they had some of those horrible receiver rooms back in you know 2020, 2021, yeah, like he was the only dude that created separation. Mr. Mr. Slot fade. Yeah. yeah, and 20 had seven catches for a buck 16, but he had two touchdowns, including the 68 yarder. I think that was against Duke, if I remember correctly. In 2020? Um, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. 14 catches and 21 in 12 games. That's the only season he's played nearly the entire season in that year. In fact, it was the entire season. And in 22, he had 10 catches for a buck 23, but he only played in seven games. Yeah, he's had the shoulder injury. Um, maybe I'll write something today on like what he what he can bring to the offense because he he does have this element of versatility and explosiveness and quickness, and it's just it's another weapon. Um, so where we go back to like last week talk or earlier, sorry, earlier in the week about sustaining drives at a higher rate. Like that's why it's so important because that allows you to get maybe like one or two extra design plays for someone like a Ja'Kai Douglas who um, explosive, quick, versatile. Like he plays running back sometimes. He was a high school quarterback. Like there's a lot of things that he brings to the table. And like if you're having your full like series of uh, or full like arsenal of plays in a series and you're not going three and out or uh, getting forced to go in third and long, like, you can start setting some cool things up with someone like that. Uh, speaking of, and I think it's a good topic for this segment to kind of getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, what's a player, who's a player that we want to see more of in the next, like, say, month or so? Like, who's someone that we want to see start, like, emerging and getting more more touches or more reps? Uh, Zach, I'll, I'll start with you. Who's someone you're looking for or hoping to see more of? Rodney Hill. Okay. I think I want to – every time Rodney Hill gets in the game, it seems like he's creating splash plays in the run game. Um, and I know that's you know, on, on a limited sample size, right? Like he's not getting as many reps as a guy like Trey Benson, but there, there really isn't that much of a difference. Like they're they're spreading carries out a good amount. Um, and I think Rodney Hill has shown that he deserves more at bats. And I'd like to see what he does with uh, you know a higher a higher pitch count. Didn't Mike go out of his way, Chris, to to praise Rodney the other day? I'm trying to remember what the context of the question was. It was about the run game, but like he. I he think got that was last week during the bye. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, they've always liked Rodney, but I, it's just a matter of he's got to get opportunities. In 23, he's played in all four games, but he only has 18 rushes. He has one reception on the year. So it's not like he's been tapped into a whole lot. He's shown me the best vision so far out of the running back group. I, I think that's – he gives you the, the closest thing that you have right now to Trey Sean Moore in terms of pacing and, and tempo as a runner. I think I think that's fair, Chris. Uh, who's who's a guy that you're jonesing to see a little bit more of? Well, I'd love to see Conrad Hussey, but I'm not going to fall into my I knew that's what personal you're trap. Uh, I'll go with Destin Hill. Uh, I think Destin Hill is a guy that's got really good capability at the slot position to do some things. I absolutely love his body control. Uh, something that caught my attention multiple times this week in the last two weeks of practices. Just his ability to change in routes, do some stuff, very quick hands. He. He's got some of the more aggressive hands to the ball among the entire receiver group. The thing with Destin Hill is that he has to be consistent with the balls that aren't great at understanding you almost have to turn yourself into a DB and do stuff like that. Like the catching the ball, running with the ball, the, the pure receiver skills, Cat's got it. He's got to become a more complete guy that you can trust to be out there for reps. Say ball one more time, Chris. <clears throat> no. Are you cheating on Jeremiah Byers? No, I mean, he already plays a ton. Oh, in the sense of a guy that I really like? No. no, no. 
Chris is loyal. Speaking of guys that Chris really likes, Jackson West siding the last few days. And when I say siding, hey, like hey, I'd moved no off my Jackson West Appreciation Society. I am glad to see he's actually healthy and looks like a guy that can do some things. I, I still think his main role is going to be special teams for them. But yeah, he's had actually not half bad practices recently. Like catching the ball and looking comfortable and athletic. Like, all right, there's. Something. His greatest quality is still in the fact that he just wants to mix it up with you all the time. <laughs> there is a few times in practice where like a play like it goes a little bit longer, and I'm like, oh, it hasn't quite happened yet. Um, I think the real reason why Chris likes Jackson West so much is because he didn't use social media as a recruit. That's, that's there was a degree of that that I do appreciate in him, yes. Well, and also like Chris like has a type, and it was Carter Boatwright before, then Jackson West. So if you're an under-the-radar white tight end, Chris might fall in love with you. Like that's just that's a thing. I like to see more Darius Washington and, and just in a variety of ways. And we've seen a, a good deal. Would of you them, start like, Darius Washington? I Would I? Yes. I don't, I don't Where know. At? I would start at one of the tackle spots. I mean, you could, so I think the best case for Darius is to keep getting some reps at center. And I don't think that's something they want to do necessarily right now. Like they've talked about Chris, like trying to, trying to let Maurice get his groove. Um, but I think like Darius's upside is like to be a really athletic, big center he just needs more reps in running that offense. For now, I think like get him in as a swing tackle and let him go in every few series or so. Like he just, I think he's done well with his opportunities. Mike Norvell gushed over him, said he loves coaching. Darius Washington, uh, he said that on Wednesday. I think Darius brings a level of stability. Uh, it's not always perfect, but um, yeah, I'd like to see more more Darius. It doesn't necessarily even mean starting. I just putting him at tackle, let Jeremiah Byers get a breather, Rob Scott, bless Harris, whoever. Whatever you're trying to do uh, in that series, like I think giving Darius a few designed at bats, like in a every few series, I think would be good for everyone. So you know, you know who we didn't mention, but I, I would not be opposed to him mixing in, hmm. like Nicholson. I, so he brings something different to linebacker than anybody not named Kalen Deloach. Blake but the, issue, a, the issue with Blake is physicality because he's still a developing body team like Virginia Tech, who's going to run it very hard, very much downhill at you. I don't know if that's the best matchup for Blake. But well, I do is. know that Blake can bring some things to that position that they're not getting currently. And I don't know that, like, I get they say they've invested in Omar Graham, but, like, to me, Blake's a guy in that room with the most upside. I think Omar's actually had a decent week of practice. I'm going to keep following that and monitoring it and see, like, how he's He's developing because at a certain point you're going to have to figure out how you're allocating those those reps and those investment reps, right? Like I think that is a thing to watch in the uh, second third of the or the second third of the season. Yeah. Um, but Blake Nicholson does some things in practice that that yeah I don't even know if Kalen Deloach does like as well as what Blake has shown as a as a true freshman. I mean there was a rep a few weeks ago where he legitimately hung with Johnny Wilson out of the slot and like tracked him upfield. I think it was that BC week. Uh, and was able to defend the pass. Uh, this past week, he was downfield on a on a throw to C.J. Campbell and uh, played the ball perfectly and knocked it away from him. So, like, yeah, there's some instincts and in coverage. I almost like think of like a like in a sub package third down roll. Chris, the issue is you're you're trying to get off the field on third down at a more consistent rate than what you're doing right now. I don't know if throwing a true freshman in there is probably like the best thing at this moment, but like that is his value as someone who's going to be able to cover on third down and passing downs and, and be really good at that eventually. Um, Conrad Hussey, you mentioned as well. Like, he does a few things in practice every day that, yeah, that's, that's what it needs to look like. Still irks me that he had a bad play and they basically benched him for it instead of getting him reps. 
and the BC game was just so weird. The flow of it, the the snaps, how it, the pacing. The other, of it. The other cats made plenty of mistakes too, boys. Yeah, no, I I think there's an element of of that too. Um, that, he, it certainly make that argument. There's, there's a bit, there's a bit of loyalty to some guys that I don't really understand why they've gained the loyalty. I guess is the best way I can put it. Is Connor Hussey the most talented player in that safety room? Uh, KJ Kirkland's pretty damn talented too. Uh, they're very different. KJ's bigger, more physical. KJ's awesome watching just barrel downhill too. Um, but he might be, yeah. I mean, athletic skill trait wise, ability to play the ball, yeah, he's All got skills. those elements. Yeah. All right, I got one other thing for us here before we move on to the next segment. I ruffled a few feathers this past podcast, shockingly. Uh, when when I mentioned that you know, FSU probably will lose a, a game this regular season, and that's not me saying like they definitely will, but ESPN's FPI gives you a sixteen point six percent chance of winning out. Chris, care to guess how many FSU teams have gone undefeated in the regular season all time? It's two, isn't it? No, regular season. Oh, regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not counting losing in a bowl game or a championship game or something like you're, that. You're getting me on a Thursday morning when I didn't sleep well. Um, I don't know. Let's not bog down the podcast. Go ahead. This is great. Yeah, that was a good radio. Uh, five from my count. Okay. The 13 team, the 14 team, 99, obviously, wire to wire. 96, mm-hmm. uh, we won't talk about what happened in the bowl game there. And I believe the other one was 1979. So okay. it, it doesn't happen a ton. But as we looked at the schedule, Chris and I were talking about this yesterday before practice. October, like on paper, you just with injuries that have happened to other teams and the home stretch, like you have a chance to just go into November eight and zero with everything in front of you. Like that seems very realistic. So, like I don't know where the other like clear loss or where a clear loss is on the schedule. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they potentially lose a game just because. That's how it works in college football. Somebody catches you when they shouldn't catch you. Um, I mean, I think back to 97, for example. FSU in 97 was a phenomenal football team. They went to the swamp and laid an egg. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I think I think UF is the, their most likely loss right now to me. Um, I, Miami is the most talented team and best playing team, as of right now, that they're going to play on the schedule, in my opinion. But I think UF in the swamp, like, Obviously, talent level two years ago, not great. But, like, they were supposed to win that game at the Swamp two years ago. And, you know, it's a tough environment to play in against a rival. Like, I just – UF's not playing great football, but they showed against Tennessee that they have the ability to play good football, especially when they're at home. So, to me, that's the that's the most likely. I think Billy Napier's one in seven away from the Swamp. So, yeah. two very different teams. Um a little bit of context too is that I mean, we're talking about some of these like teams in the '90s that were losing a singular game. Uh, you're yeah. you're playing against top five Miami's, top five Florida's. Like I don't that doesn't necessarily exist. We'll see what happens with this Miami team. They have a quality win over Texas A&M that looks progressively better, uh, but they still haven't really like October will be telling for them. They have UNC and Clemson, so we'll see exactly what this Miami team is is made of before you play them in November. But I keep going back to this, fellas. Like this is about like just Florida State hitting its hitting its peak and hitting its stride at the right time. And like if you're handling your business talent wise, like you should be favored in every game. It just what happened to BC 
a few weeks ago just that can't happen again to steal a mike norvellism it's about us Ooh, yeah, they, one, little, one little tidbit on that. Mike Norvell's average margin of victory in his coaching career as a head coach by month, nine point seven points in August and September, 4.8 points in October, 15.5 points in November. His program is built to get better at the end of the season. He talks about that a lot, like how the GPS testing stuff usually gets better towards the end of the year. Just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind is if you can get through this October here with an easy slate, if you're kicking at the right time, you might be hitting your peak in November, which would be pretty cool because that's where some tough games lay. 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 Segment number two coming up. We're going to talk a little about a little recruiting, Zach. Are you ready for that? Yes, sir. It's sponsored by Football Coach College Dynasty. Do you want to tell the folks about Football Coach College Dynasty? Football Coach College Dynasty is the best college football management game for PC. You can be a coach, create game plans, call plays, recruit the players you want to recruit, develop your team, and compete for national championships. It features literally everything you love about college football right now or hate, um, including conference realignment, school boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and even NIL. But if someone code. hates NIL and refuses to use it in the game, and it is, I'm not going to do that. I don't like the I mean, players getting paid. So one of my favorite features is um, when you're trying to scout recruits earlier on, like in the spring and summer recruiting months, they have like literal spring and summer evaluation periods. So you can, um, you know, eval guys. And one of the things you have to eval is how much do they value NIL? So if they don't value NIL a ton, you know, you're not going to have to be a in a huge bidding war for that recruit when it comes down to it. So that's what I personally look for. I look for guys that are not valuing NIL, especially if I'm starting at a program that's doesn't have a big NIL budget. Like I'm not going to go in bidding wars for, for recruits. And yeah, I mean, that's literally one of the most fun parts of the game for me. So you heard it here first folks, Zach Blostein does not support players benefiting off of their name image. And only language. in, only in football coach college. How's, how's that Chris for a lack of nuance? Disappointed in you. Football Coach College Dynasty is available now on Steam for $15. Okay, speaking of recruiting, Zach, uh, Florida State after this weird first month of the season where you only have one home game, and what was FSU's last game, Chris, in Dope? Was it like a legit month ago against Southern Miss? Number nine, I think. Yeah, I mean, just shy of it. (laughs) That's crazy. We're doing this on October 5th. Um, So it's been a a weird start to the year where you haven't been able to really – do a lot of hosting of recruits that that changes this month and it changes this week specifically uh, against Virginia tech with a three 30 PM kick decent amount of recruits are making their way. We've put a list of confirmed visitors up at Knowles 24 com. You can check it out, but let's talk just more in a general aspect, Zach, like what, what do you think this month is going to be like for Florida state? What are they trying to accomplish? What's the plan now that you actually have some home games to utilize and, and sell your, your product, your brand? I'm thinking of it as like the month of March and April. Like you're trying to get all your top targets on campus in pretty much every class. Uh, you know, all the, all the guys that can make it to a home game. Like you're, you're trying to get them all inside of Doe Campbell stadium at some point over the next three weeks. So you obviously got Virginia tech on Saturday and then Syracuse comes to town before Duke um, comes the week after right now, like to preface things, 
Virginia Tech, we posted, you know, our initial visitor list. It looks pretty good. Like there's a, a good amount of blue chip prospects. I think the Duke weekend is going to be sneaky good for FSU on on the recruiting trail. Um, they what's, what's the date of that? That's in three weeks. October twenty right? first. Okay. Yeah. So, so Vitek is Duke. Yeah. Think, too bad they don't have a game during Halloween weekend, and that would just blow recruits' mind. I digress. Continue. True, but uh, but yeah. So I, I expect a ton of recruits to be at the Duke game, but let's start with Vitek. Um, there's a number of really great prospects coming to town. Um, I posted our initial list on Knowles247.com. It's free. You can read it. The headliner is the lone official visitor scheduled for this weekend and for the season right now, from what I've been told. And that's LJ McRae out of Daytona Beach Mainland High School. Borderline five-star defensive lineman. Shout out Chris for being early on that one. FSU is battling a ton of Big-time schools for for McRae, um, Georgia, Florida, Miami, Auburn, all in the mix here. They've all gotten him on campus at some point over the last few months. All four of those schools have hosted him for OVs already. Um, that was all that all took place in June. FSU elected to wait to use their OV with McRae for this weekend. This has been on the slate for months on end, and finally it's coming to fruition. And it couldn't come at a better time because McRae is – supposed to make his college decision this month he's gone on record saying that he's going to aim to end his recruitment uh, at some point in october his birthday is in a few weeks i think october 18th so there's a possibility that he makes it then or a little bit afterwards so yeah i mean fsu has a really great opportunity to make a lasting impression on mccray before he announces a decision i don't think any of us feel excellent about where FSU stands heading into the OV weekend. Um, I don't think they're the leader, um, but McCray keeps things pretty close to the vest. And, and I think, uh, I think there's some room to grow for FSU in this recruitment. Like they have an ability to move up um, if they impress over the weekend. One thing I will note that makes this weekend interesting, right? So we talk all the time about how OVs during the season, um, especially for like, FSU, like they're they're not trying to do a lot of those. But McRae and Mainland um, High School have a bye week this week. So I haven't confirmed this yet, but I do think that he could arrive in Tallahassee, um, you know, a day early. So possibly tonight and then work, you know, have a, a full OV day tomorrow and then into the game on Saturday before finishing up on Sunday. Like FSU likes to do their official visits. Usually I have not confirmed that schedule, but it does make sense to me that they would schedule this for his bye week and then have that extra time to spend with him um, aside from game day. It's worth mentioning with McCray that he's been steadfast about sticking to this date, even over the summer months where it seemed like Florida, Georgia had very much surged and that he could make a decision between those two. He was adamant that he was still going to take this visit. Uh, he put out a seven-and-a-half-minute midseason highlight film here recently, I think in the last week or so, maybe eight days ago. It's really good. He's a true three, four strong side defensive end. I mean, that's what he looks like. That's what he plays like. That's what he probably will be long-term. Yeah, I think FSU, he could play inside. He could play outside. He could play both. He could you know move around. Kind of some of the stuff you talked about with Braden Fisk before the season that we haven't necessarily seen, but with something that they threw around concept-wise, I think fits what he can be. Very good at point of attack, very good at shedding blocks, very good at ending runs, 
capable pass rusher. The one area I think he can improve the most upon is just being a more downhill, deadly pass rusher, finishing plays with more aggressiveness in that regard. He's good at it. I think he can simply be better. He is a kid that deserves to be on the cusp of a five-star size that big athleticism. It's a pretty unbelievable combination. He's very mature football player with how he plays the game, how he goes about doing things pretty advanced with his hands for a kid in high school too. So many kids in high school are initial hand guys where they're going to shove you or they're going to try to rip you, but they don't do a good job after that initial movement. He's pretty effective at being consistent with using his hands throughout a play. And it stands out to me. I've been a big fan of his since the first time we really started dealing with him. Uh, FSU had done a great job with him early on. It faded March on of this year. Yeah, We'll see if they can rekindle that magic. Uh, let's see, another player that I wanted to talk about, and this is more of a, uh, a revision of an interview that, that Zach did, but one that had a lot of really good information in it, and that was uh, K.J. Bolden, FSU's top-ranked recruit, number one safety in the country. He was having an amazing season. Not that that's a surprising for where he's ranked, but like every week he's doing something electric. Uh, Zach, what were a couple of the takeaways from that conversation? Little Birdie told me that maybe he said something about recruiting the player that, that we just talked about. Yeah, so um, great combo. I posted the full Q&A on Molson 4-7 with KJ. Um, he's just really talented and an awesome interview. I mean, he, you know, we talked about his commitment status, uh, kind of, you know, what, how his senior season is going. You talked about, like, his success so far. They're 6-0, and and he's just, he's dominating on both sides of the football on offense and defense as a receiver slash gadgety type on offense. And then um, as a safety on defense, he's just um, consistently making plays. He loves what FSU is doing right now. Um, you know, as much as we talk about how FSU hasn't been able to get guys on campus because they've only had one home game, KJ Bolden's found a way to be at two of their games so far, and that doesn't include their home game. So he was at the LSU game to begin the season, and then he attended FSU's game against Clemson in Death Valley. Um, he said he was sitting around a bunch of Clemson fans, and they weren't too happy. So um, that was pretty cool to see. And then yeah, like you said, he's going to be back this weekend. He was at Auburn last weekend for their game against Georgia. And our our friend LJ McRae was there as well. Um, and mm -hmm. I asked him, you know, I, I just asked him a blanket statement, like, I, are you recruiting anyone to join you in FSU's class? He said, yeah, we're trying to get LJ McRae to commit. Still working on that right now, but it's definitely going to be a battle between a bunch of schools. I said, have you spoken with LJ a good amount? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on my visit with me to uh, to Auburn. I said, I mean, I, I prefaced it like, dude, you don't have to like put this out there, but were you doing a bit of recruiting to McRae while on that visit? And he like, he laughs and he's like, you could say that. So um, I think that's a good sign. And, and having him around um, while McRae's on campus again this weekend is, is going to be big. Um, I'm not too worried about FSU's chances of, of um, I guess, losing uh, Bolden. Like, I think he's going to stick in this class, uh, despite push or a push from Georgia and Auburn. Um, I think Georgia will probably get him back on campus and, you know, Auburn as well. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, I think other schools are trying to push to get him on campus, but I really like what FSU's done in this recruitment. I think they have the, the lasting power to, to, uh, to hold on. He's one of double digit FSU commitments that we expect back in this weekend. You can find the whole list on the site. We'll also be updating it here over the next 48 hours leading up to kickoff. Yeah. Um, some other names, Micah DeBose is another kid. He's a big 2025 20, offensive lineman. He did one of the summer camps with FSU. 
He's a kid that's been around. Uh, as of right now, we expect Derek Bois, current Miami commitment from Jackson Mandarin. He's a kid that FSC has kind of kept warm, and he stayed warm with them in the sense of open communication lines. So one knows worth monitoring as they figure out how to finish off their offensive line classes here. Kid I wrote about earlier this week, Jordan Boyd. He's a Georgia Tech commitment. He visited Campton, was offered by FSU over the summer. He's listed as a linebacker on the network, but I hear he's around 230 these days. And his senior film definitely shows him more as a edge rusher, which is what FSU views him as. Uh, he's from Aiken, South Carolina area. Talented kid. He's a guy that I think FSU, as they continue to evaluate that edge board, and a lot of that's going to depend on what McCray does. He's definitely a guy that I think is pretty far up the list as far as next names to know. Let's move on to our next segment. It's a little buyer's to known. Who's that sponsored by, gentlemen? The Turner Group. The Turner Group. Uh, Turner Group is going to be able to help you out with all your home buying or selling needs. If you're looking at trying to enter the market, you want peace of mind, you want a, a realty team that's going to be able to help you out. Colin Turner, Amy Turner, Becky, everyone at the Turner Group be able to help you with a ton of experience, connections throughout the state of Florida. If you want to get started on the process, feel free to shoot me a message, a DM, PM, whatever. I can connect you to Colin. Sorry, Colin. All right, let's get going. By Orson Home, brought to you by the Turner Group. From a Roomba Eight My Feet, um, which is a great name. The recent choppiness in performance the last few games is more illness and injury related, and not just that the team was overhyped between fall camp and LSU's second half performance. Also known that I think it's more lack of consistent run game allowing them to kind of settle into games. If I had to pick a single ailment that's influenced that. Yeah, also known as well. I don't I don't think that was the the main reason for some of their, you know, lack of efficiency. I think for the BC game it was, but we've also seen some of that lack of efficiency in other places uh show up. So not it's not just like that's the one off. That's the one that probably murkies the water the most with the stats and just national standings uh for some metrics but um yeah i guess also known and there's obviously things that you have to clean up and get better at uh, if you're going to win a, a national title or compete for it jj h10 buyer sanone undefeated acc champ fsu would have enough marquee wins on its schedule to beat out georgia and undefeated pack big and big 12 champs for a spot in cfp sorry that was big 10 i guess i'm buying because yes i think fsu would make the cfp yes so if fsu goes undefeated wins the acc goes 12 and 0 in the regular season 13 and 0 with the acc championship game then they're in the college football playoff yeah they're not going to keep undefeated florida state out of a playoff i i agree with you guys i just for the buy um yeah but for the the sake of the conversation so georgia undefeated Georgia's making it. Yeah. I mean, if Georgia's on, they'd be what at 30 game win streak at that point. They're they're not not making it. Who are you keeping out then? Because then you're also talking about undefeated Big Ten team, Ohio State or Michigan. Uh you're talking about undefeated. They can't go undefeated, they play each other. I'm saying or once like singular. I got you. I'm sorry. Texas and Oklahoma, uh, one of those two from the Big Ten. And then Pac would be USC or Oregon. So like who like from a ratings perspective, from an intrigue perspective, like who are you keeping out? Because those are all brand name schools. Um, but we never get to that point where it actually we, happens. We don't. I know it's it's, a, it's Sorry. A hypothetical. Only one team in the country has not trailed this entire season. You know who it is? Why don't you just tell me it's USC? They have not trailed yet this season. 
Badass and War Daddies asks, Buy or Sonome brought to you by the Turner Group. Turner Group. While sipping Chattanooga whiskey and playing college football. Oh my God. Nailed it, Chris. If FSU does not make the college football playoff, rank these in order of importance of why that didn't happen. Number one, this isn't a buy. We're not going to be able to play buyers and them this way. Uh, number one, uh, Travis never finds his legs and starts running. Uh, two, the O line never gets, uh, never gels or gets healthy than they are right now. Um, or three, the defense remains passive and does not change their philosophy to start attacking. So, which of those in order would keep FSU from making it to the playoffs, I guess? Two, three, one. I'm at two. No, I'm at one. I mean, one. One, two, three. I'm at three, one, two. This is riveting. Riveting podcasting, gentlemen. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Colin. Just okay. Thinking <laughs> Let's go to our final segment. We're going to preview Virginia Tech uh, game coming up this weekend. It's brought to you by the Battles End. FSU opens up as a 25-point favorite. That spread has gone down a little bit for FSU now 23.5 point favorite ESPN's matchup predictor gives FSU a 94.7 chance to beat Virginia Tech might be a little windy you guys know I like talking about weather cold fronts coming in believe it Chris do you believe it what's the cone of productivity of the possibility of some winds within Doak Campbell and will there be any rain or will it be a perfectly sunny beautiful Saturday in the fall mm. We got a chance of some 21 mile an hour gusts that day. There's going to be a cold front coming in on Sunday, so that might be what we're dealing with. Get a little nippy. Uh, and Virginia Tech is want to throw the ball around. I'm just saying that might might impact things. And VTech plays in a colder climate. This might play into their hands. I can't believe it's happening. Oh Sorry. God. All right, so we're all picking Virginia Tech to win. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Virginia Tech, not very good. Have they maybe found some things out? I mean, they didn't make a, a change at quarterback a few weeks ago to Kyron Drones, who is actually, Chris, you want to throw out this little tidbit for people? Half little... brothers with Jeremiah Byers. Are you change. jealous? Are you jealous? <laughs> well, I, Why can't I be his half brother? <laughs> um, it is worth mentioning Drones became the starter because Grant Wells, who was a starter at the beginning of the year, former Marshall quarterback, for those that remember his days there, got injured. And he is still injured. Byers Sinone, who became the starter because he's Jeremiah Smith. Uh, Briars is oh, good. nailed it. Whoa, good. man, got Jeremiah Smith on the mound. Huh. Bye. Um, so, anyways, Ky- Kyron Drones becomes the starter after an injury, uh, but they really they like kind of embraced, I think, what what he who and what he is as a quarterback. Limited as a passer, we talk about FSU facing a mobile quarterback and how that's been problematic a couple of the games this season. Kyron Drones isn't Thomas Castellanos from an athletic standpoint, Chris. He Less is wide receiver, more fullback. Okay, so let, let's get into like what he does, right, and what what the offense kind of looks like with him running it. Uh, Drones is very much a stick the foot in the ground and get upfield kind of guy. He's going to finish runs more so than like pull away from you. You're going to have to take him on. You're going to have to challenge him physically. You're going to have to bring him down to the ground. He will run through you. He will run for an extra yard or two if you tackle him too high or – try to arm tackle him. It's just what he is. And that's true for the running back too. He's another kid that again, built very thick and compact and will finish runs very effectively downhill. Um, the biggest thing I know is I watched a pick game. I watched a little bit of the Rutgers game, best performance, worst performance for those two. Um, 
the good in the pit game and pits awful for the record. Oh my god, how about that? Pat Narduzzi, what are you doing, dude? Was that design runs for drones where he got the initial hole, he makes things happen. He's very effective at getting going. He's not he's not like snap your fingers quick at the point of attack, but he is a guy that if he hits that hole and gets going downhill, he is pretty fast for a guy his size and he's a very effective runner. Um they throw a lot of pitches. They will throw in some triple option in there. They will mix up the looks a little bit on you. They they will mess with you. They will mess with your eyes. And if you make the wrong choice or you miss a tackle, they're going to bust a play from it. And receiver-wise, they've got a couple capable guys. Um, you know, their best receiver is Ollie Jennings. He's not going to be available. He's banged up for the year. It sounds like he might actually be done for the year, even though the school hasn't announced him as such. But uh, I believe it's Daquan Felton is a big man for them. He's one that caught the bomb early in the pit game. He's an effective big receiver. He'll get vertical on you. He'll make you cover stuff down the field. Offensive line, they hide it pretty well. They do a good job of, you know, using the running game, using stuff to uh, get to the edges of the running game or picking their spots between center and guard to run. They kind of protect their tackles in that sense. I don't think their tackles are particularly good. On the other side of the ball uh, – well, real, real quick before we Go switch ahead. over, let's let's stop on the offense real quick. Yeah, you mentioned the tackles, Chris. Uh, both sub sixty PFF grades, so not very good. Uh, you mentioned the run game. Bayish, oh boy, Bayshaw Tutin is the name of the yeah. big running back. He's two hundred plus pounds. Um, yeah, he's listed at 5'11", 205, and he is very compacted in that five eleven so, frame. So having strong safety play uh, is going to be important because I think that's what Virginia Tech wants to do is get its runners out, either isolated inside against a safety or out on the perimeter against a smaller defender. Like that's yeah. the they're not to going me, to be blowing you off the the ball to where they're going to be getting five six yards of carry. It's trying to isolate big runners versus smaller guys. One thing Verse has been really good at this year is slipping quickly behind a tackle and playing along the line downward to play to run doing a good job kind of tracking it from the backside and finishing it at the line of scrimmage. I feel like this is a game where him and Peyton doing that would be very effective. I also think it's a game where Tatum Bethune, a guy who we know is very willingly physical and capable of finishing plays on his own, could have a big day. You know, yeah. I think he can be a whole plugger and finish plays up. Drones is 234. When he gets going, he is 234. Like, he plays like that. I think Bethune being an enforcer is going to be important for you. And you mentioned Jared Verse and Pat Payton. Chris, gut is, I think those guys have really big games, especially Jared Verse. He's been so good against the run this year. Like, this is a chance for him to really be impactful. And listen, if you can get them in third and long, this is true for most teams. But, like, with drones at quarterback, they don't want to throw the ball. That's not something they want to do. When they get in third and long, they're averaging, uh, let's see, last three weeks, 2.2 air yards per third and long attempt. Yeah, they do not go vertical a whole lot. The the fountain throw against Pitt, they set up by running it a lot. And then they had the shot over the top. But overall in the season, especially with drones at quarterback, a whole lot of 10 and under work. The last thing I'll say about them, and uh, and I believe we're, we're going to do a more in-depth uh, preview of this uh, the, later this week uh, with uh, with no thy enemy between Dane and Trey Rowland. Uh, but since the Hokies went, two drones and they had to go to it their rushing attack was at a 29.2 percent success rate the first two games of the season it's 117th nationally since making the switch rushing success rates up to 41.4 percent 56 nationally still not very good very average but capable and that's what they're going to try to be um let's move to the other side of the ball now chris antoine powell ryland apr as they like to call him 
best player on that football team. He's a former UF player, defensive end, 6'3", he's a guy, yeah. he's a guy that Florida State actually poked around with in the transfer portal after he left UF this past season. Like he, I had a phone conversation with that kid, um, or grown man, um, asking if he uh, – He might be older than you. Yeah, if he was – you know, hearing from Florida State, he said that he actually had a phone call with Adam Fuller. Just wanted to throw that little tip. Yeah, there were there were some there were some things there to where I don't know if FSU was super interested after due diligence. Anyways, sorry, he's been good for them this season. Continue, Chris. Yeah, he's been very, very good. He's very good off the edge. He's the kind of guy if your tackles are having a bad day, he will pick on you. On the middle, uh, Fidarius Payne's a talented player. Norrell Pollard's been banged up for them. We'll see how much he's able to go and do for them. Those are kind of the front linemen you need to know. They do do a lot of plus one stuff up front with what they're going to bring downhill. And the plus one's not always the same. It's not always a backer. Sometimes it's a DB. Um, the line, a lot of twists, a lot of movement. They're they're going to mess with you. They're very aggressive up front. They are very much aggressive downhill as a defense. Uh, they're going to try to punch you in the mouth, whether it's offense or defense. That's sort of what BT is this year. They're going to try to be out physical you, out tough you, and see how you respond to that. Uh, from the back end standpoint, I would probably point at their linebackers being a strength compared to their DBs. I think you can pick on their DBs personally, but uh, Kelly Lawson, who's one of their linebackers, pretty good ball player, tends to be around the ball a lot, finishes a lot of plays, an effective player for them. Dorian Strong, who's one of their corners, redshirt junior, you know, he's a capable corner, but I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to match up well. VT has not faced a passing attack that is even comparable to what Florida State's going to have, especially with Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, and Jaheim Bell. I don't think they faced anybody with a weapon similar to one of those, let alone all three of those. So, you know, it's a little tough to gauge who and what they are against that. I think they'll try to create havoc at the line of scrimmage, at the point of attack, limit your time to throw the ball. I think FSU kind of understands that based off of practice that they might have to get it out quick at times. Um, Yeah. So uh, if if I'm VT, I'm trying more to get Jordan Travis on the ground than to try to play FSU straight up on the back end. I guess that's the best way to put it. Virginia Tech is good against the pass. Uh, I think there's a lot of like noise in these numbers. Yeah, it, yeah there is. Um, so because you, you can run the, the ball on them, that's the big thing. Right. If you look at the two four seven, I, I kind of broke down their game by game run pass allowed. Like Rutgers ran through them like Swiss cheese. Pitt ran for I think it was thirty eight yards. So that creates an unbalanced number. Um, yeah, I don't think they're a great pass defense. Having watched two of their games, played with the stats, some looked at, I don't think they're a great pass. They're also like, they yeah, they might like the way the the head coach uh, Brent Fry talks about them. Like they might be the most injured team in the country. Like he, they are they somewhat have, banged up. Yeah, they have tons of injuries in the secondary from what I've been yeah. uh, listening to. Yeah, Old Dominion threw for 94, Purdue threw for 248, Rutgers only threw for 46, but they ran for 256. Marshall threw for 166, Pitt threw for 235, but only completed 11 passes. Pitt hit two monster bombs on them. Um, Pitt only ran for 38 on 24, but you know Marshall ran for 214, Rutgers ran for 256, like I mentioned. Purdue ran for 179, so Purdue really put it on them offensively, and Old Dominion ran for 200 plus as well, so... What a schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech is 107th nationally in yards per carry allowed. Um, yeah, 4.65, right? I just closed it, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think it's 4.65 per carry, 6.4 per pass attempt, 11.3 per completion on the season against them. As it applies to Florida State, 
run game needs to get going. So talking point that we've had, coaching staff has had, like they know it. Like this is it, it, it is essential for you to get where you want to go. We use that phrase a lot, but that's on the table. Like you have to be able to run the football well. That's what Mike Norvell teams do. And yes, there is a scenario in which you might say, well, screw it. We're good at pass pro and we have a good quarterback with good wide receivers. And we're just going to lean into that. But that's not like that's that is a last resort type of plan. Uh, so with that in mind, this is a big week, Chris, to get the run game going. Like this, this is uh, to me, it's like if you don't do it this week, I don't know if you say you totally punt on it and just say, oh, we're going to skew super heavily towards pass. But like this is. If it doesn't happen this week, this is where it becomes alarming, I think. Yeah, I'd like to see FSU line up and be tough and physical at the point of attack. And what comes from that running-wise, I think, will be a positive. But they got to go and do that. VTech's going to challenge them at the point of attack. And that might be, like, a good thing for them, too. That might yeah, kind of I think it is. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, and, let's do predictions and get you, out of here. You, also, you got to do it this week because Duke's going to try to do it to you in two weeks, too. And Duke, Duke has very, a really good Duke is very good at the point of attack. Yeah, they, they get into the backfield. They gave Notre Dame a hard time. Um, and Syracuse has got just a weird that weird three three five defense, but they're they're capable. So, anyways, let, let's get into predictions uh, for this game. Uh, we'll do the full staff season season predictions, game predictions. Excuse me, over at Knowles twenty four seven on Friday morning. Don't worry, Zach. I'll get it to you Thursday evening. Don't don't lose your little shit. You better. Yeah, total tantrum. Um. Zach, you start. What's your prediction for this game? I'm going Florida State 49, Virginia Tech 20. Okay. So a a cover for Florida State from you, a decisive win. Chris? What about you, Brandon? Oh, okay. Uh, I think FSU is going to handle Virginia Tech, to be honest. They've had a really good week of practice coming off the bye week. Virginia Tech isn't that good. I uh, think you can stop the run relatively well, uh, especially if you know that's like what they're trying to do. I think a lot of it plays into what FSU does well. So FSU 48, Virginia Tech 13. Like I, I think you handle them. I think you win comfortably. Yeah, I worry a little bit about drones being able to do some things just because scrambling quarterbacks have been a bugaboo for FSU. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think VT has the firepower to keep up. FSU does need to start fast. That's been another big talking point here in the last two weeks. And it's mainly been about the defense needing to start faster than what they've done. But I think it's true on both sides of the ball. The offense needs to strike early and often and kind of take VT out of what they want to do and dictate terms. You know how I love dictating terms. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with FSU 45 and VTech 20. All right. Clean sweep, gentlemen. Yeah, I think this will be a good week for Florida State. And if not, we can panic. Cool? Cool. Cool, Chris. We love panicking. What's the name of the video game, Chris? I, I don't know, man. I, I've i never played it in my life because I'm married with two kids, and I'm pretty much never home in the afternoon ever. Uh, too bad this isn't on video. Zach just froze. All right. For, for Zach Blossing, Chris Nee, uh, shout out to all our sponsors, Chattanooga Whiskey, The Turner Group, Football uh, coach, college dynasty. Yes, it's good. And the battle's end. And you're downloading it tonight. On the bench. We'll talk to you guys later.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.